0: Hi everyone, I'm Colby Horton. And I'm Frank Humata. And we'd like to welcome you to another episode of Engaging in the Next, an original podcast from Association Briefings where we talk about what's next for the association community when it comes to technology, MarCom strategy, people, membership, and money. So happy new year, Frank. Thanks Colby, and same to you. I'm pretty excited about 2023. I agree. Hey Frank, your your background looks a little different. Where are you recording from today? Well, Colby, first of all, thanks for
1: noticing. Uh, and secondly, I'm in a hotel room in Austin, Texas. There's a, a big Humada Family Reunion here tonight. Um, thirdly, though, would you like a humata Family
0: Reunion t-shirt? No, I, I really, that, that's okay, Frank. I still have the one you generously gave me in 2010. A medium it is. <laughs> the, the festivities don't really get started until later tonight, so, so don't worry. I'll have plenty of time to record this and, and do some additional work as well. Yeah, it's really not a problem. I mean, in fact, this is the scenario companies and associations have obviously become very accustomed to, and it's, it's a great lead-in to our topic today. So here we are in a new year, gradually becoming more and more removed from 2020. But if you really pay attention to the media, both mainstream and association-focused, you're starting to hear more chatter about a mandatory return to the office, at least in some capacity. I'm starting to see the term, the great mismatch being thrown around meaning employees are just fine with being fully remote or hybrid, but employers are pushing to bring their teams back to the office. So where do associations stand? And that's really what we're getting into today. We have an association exec with us that is no stranger to a remote team. In fact, he instituted a hybrid workforce before it was cool to go hybrid. So, Frank, I'm really excited to have Mike Moss join us to talk about the future of work and what he calls purposeful presence within his office. Mike started his nonprofit journey in 1992 and now serves as president at the Society for College and University Planning. He's a lifelong runner and avid gardener. He enjoys spending time outdoors with his wife and son and their amazing dog, Annie. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mike.
2: Thank you. Uh, Happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation.
0: As are we. I think we're going to hit on a really important topic as we enter into 2023. And we'll get into this whole idea of returning to the office. But before we do, I think we have to go backwards a little bit and talk about where we are in the space. So the idea of a hybrid office isn't really new to SCUP. Talk to us about the history of your association's hybrid workforce.
2: Yeah, sure. And and like you said, this isn't a new original idea. So I joined the firm in 2014. And at that point, like many associations, we had a telecommuting policy, but it it was pretty rigid. Uh, It required forms and HR and approvals and all the things to to make sure that you're allowed to not be in the office. And what we did in 2014 is we switched that to what we would now know as a a true hybrid office, which is a two-three. You can be anywhere you want for two days a week and just be here three days a week. And, you know, we didn't script what days those were. It was just a matter of making sure that your team was aware, uh, any requirements you needed to be here in the office for we were met and otherwise set your schedule. And so we started flowing that way probably early 15 on. We were just in a 3-2 in a arrangement of in-office, out-of-office. And the out-of-office flexibility included third place, which would be, you know, working at Starbucks or the county library. Second place at home, Um, we also found people were finding the opportunities to make a longer weekend and work from their lake house or you know, from grandmas on vacation. So lots of options started to open up that uh, certainly did not interfere with anybody's workflow or our ability to serve.
1: Mike, how does the idea of a hybrid office impact volunteers?
2: It's a great question because ultimately 90% of the work is done by either vetting through a volunteer or working directly with the volunteer, right? So there are certain administrative tasks, obviously as administrative professionals here at SCUP that we just do as a matter of running a business. But when it gets down to the service aspect of content and connection, And making sure that we are serving as the proper voice for what we aspire to do by mission, you're talking to volunteers. And so there are times where the work hours is an issue, not the workplace, right? So most of my employees uh, up until recently have been on the East Coast. Most of our volunteers for certain things were on the West Coast. So that three-hour time frame was the issue, not place. So it was making sure that we really focused on making sure you scheduled ahead of time, that you were mindful of where they would be at that time. So, for example, I love me at 3 p.m. Eastern meeting right on top of the West Coast lunch hour. So that may not be the best time to bring the volunteers together because they have other things to do, personal needs to attend to and flat out they're hungry. So making sure that that time was accommodated, I think, was the first lesson in hybrid for us is just making sure you were mindful where the volunteers are. And we all use this phrase very commonly now coming out of the pandemic, but meet them where they are. Well, that absolutely applies to your hybrid office, including your staff that right now, for example, I have staff working in Hawaii, all over the West Coast, at a farm up pretty close to the Canadian border, et cetera. And we're all you know, probably in three or four different time zones at this point. So being mindful that my 8 a.m. isn't everybody's 8 a.m., I think, was the first hurdle that we jumped with volunteers and having that conversation of, I will be here, when can we meet then? And I think just opening up that line of communication pretty much prevented any uh true complications
0: that's very interesting I think that you're putting your timeline out here 2015 was a good five six years before this even calling it a hybrid office uh it wasn't even a term we were throwing out there so really you guys were very well prepared for what hit everyone in 2020. Mm -hmm. I think this idea of the return to an office it's obviously gained a lot of momentum during Q4 I think I read a study the other day that says that nine out of 10 companies are implementing some type of return to office initiative in 2023. But again, SCUP seems to be ahead of the game. As we prepared for this conversation, you talked about this term that I really like. Talk to us about the idea of what you called purposeful presence. And how this has impacted SCUP's return to office policies.
2: So we came across that phrase doing research at some point in 2021, when we were we were all starting to contemplate the return to office, even if it was just going to be our old 3-2 arrangement, or if it was going to be something different. And we quickly went to something different. And to be fair, we, we didn't just nail it on jump, right? We're still experimenting. So as we went into the summer of 21, there's a couple things we put in place, two rules that hold true. The two rules are that we will not have a purposeful presence requirement in the months of August and December. And number two, the office is open so people can make their choices around those two facts. Right. So the first round of purposeful presence was one of an attendance per week attempt in hours, not days, not for specific things. And we kept purposeful presence to the definition of each employee. I have a different purposeful presence requirement than some of my teammates given them whatever I'm doing that day. So for example, for our recording today, I'm at the office for all the tech reasons I need to be here to ensure at least a decent shot at a quality recording. If I was doing something different with my board, I'd like to be at the office. Whereas some of my teammates who are more in the creative space, their purposeful presence may be best accomplished at an art studio at their best friend's barn up the street from where they're visiting family. And so We don't assign purposeful presence necessarily to space, but for the intention of the reasons we're together. And that will include time in the office. So as we experimented last summer, a couple of things went really well, a couple of things we'll leave off record because we had to learn, right? (laughs) (laughs) So as we head into the new year, what we're really excited about is the purposeful presence is set around two Wednesdays, the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. The first gathering on that second Wednesday is one of operational alignment, and the second one is one of strategic alignment. So where we think we're landing to your question on purposeful presence is there's going to be a couple times a month where we would prefer to be in person because we're going to do high collaboration work. And we agree that you can collaborate virtually. And sometimes it's really interesting to do it in person. And we want to experiment with that. So we will do those in person, knowing we have remote employees. Sometimes they will still be virtual. Sometimes they will be here because unfortunately we didn't come out of the pandemic with an unlimited budget so we have to be mindful of some things. However, that connection for Purposeful Presence will be on operational alignment, strategic alignment, with the understanding maybe that the longest I can go and not really feel like my work is contributing is 30 days between those alignments.
0: You talked about how your office is also always open. Mm -hmm. What percentage of your workforce is coming into the office, let's say, three to four times a week?
2: Three to four times a week is probably 20%. But in terms of what I have here, so there's 18 of us in total. There are 15 of us in the local drive market that would make the office open, right? So I have three full remote. Of those 15, there's six to nine of us that have a weekly presence here on choice, right? And so, for example, with me, I do like to be here. I like the the vibe of the office. I get energy from people's interactions and noise. And so with that, I may come in here actually for my heads down work because my house is too quiet. And there'll be a handful of my colleagues here doing what they do, which is the noise they need. But it's it's based on individual preferences. And so some people don't come in, but maybe once a month. Other people uh, are waiting for the purposeful presence days and others like to be in here five days a week. So when the office is open, that also means it's just open. We all have a key card pass. So sometimes I come in at a goofy hour because that's when my I'm ready to work and we aren't scripted to you know, a nine to five. Uh, and again, it goes back to Frank's question. As long as my volunteer alignment is making sense with their needs as well, the office is open.
0: Do you find that a certain generation or demographic of your team is showing up in the office more than another group?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm 54. My kindred spirits at that age group, we show up a lot at the office. It's how we've come up professionally. But what I like about it is that also some of our employees in their late 20s to mid 30s also are showing up more regularly because when I dropped that number of hours per week, more people started to show up more often. You know, taking away the burden of, of a mandate to one of preference really did make a difference for our team. And so I do see some of our more recent hires and people who are more recent to the workforce, they are coming in more regularly when it's not as scripted because they can make a choice as to what the work they want to do here and when. So that, I think, has made a difference. But it's a fair question. And those of us who grew up with uh, mandated attendance and uh, on-site oversight, we like it here. And it's, it's how we've known to do our work. And so I do think there's some truth to that as well.
0: Is it fair to ask turnover rates? Again, you've had this kind of flexibility in coming in and out of the office for, you know, since 2015. Does that help with retention?
2: Absolutely. We've had people relocate within their term of service with us and they, you know, they don't have to change jobs because you change space or change location. So that's been very helpful. And during the pandemic itself, we've been blessed. We haven't been hit with turnover other than one person. Uh, I've lost one person in, in three and a half years. And that person took a job at the University of Michigan up the street. And we take great pride in the fact that if as a small association, our talent is being co-opted by the member up the street, we're okay with that. we kind of think that's kind of cool. So I don't know if it's a matter of the flexibility, but I definitely think it influences retention. I don't know if it's the only reason that folks stick with us. I hope there's more reasons, but I would definitely say that we have not experienced a lot of turnover because we've been very flexible for a very long time. So it wasn't a new program that people had to get their head around. It was how we already did business with a couple of nuances added to it.
1: We don't need to go into any of the off the record items, but what are some of the challenges of purposeful presence?
2: don't get stuck in an echo chamber. So let's, I'll take an off record and on record. And and I fell into that trap and I know better and I did it anyway. And so the echo chamber that I fell into was, and it's to your earlier question, Colby, about who was here. That was who I was talking to because I was here. And then that became the dominant preference when it really wasn't. It was a preference from a group that happened to be together. And I got caught in an echo chamber reinforcing my preferences, not the preferences of the larger team. So some of the initial ideas that we put out for Purposeful Presence around mandated this or, you know, please do this was where I got stuck in an echo chamber. So I think the real challenge to your question, Frank, is you got to be forcing yourself into the larger dialogue for the service reasons by which your mission is accomplished. And once we step back and really started to listen, it isn't 17 different personal preferences. It's not actually for us. It wasn't trying to balance 17 opinions of how we work. It was making sure that 17 people understood how they could balance their needs against the service requirements that we've put out for the members. And then that got me out of the echo chamber. It got some of my colleagues into a different mindset as well, that our good work isn't a matter of real estate, but the real estate also doesn't not contribute, right? It is a contributor to our success. So now how we use this real estate, we are a leaser, not an owner, but how we use this real estate, we have a whole different mindset entering the new year about what that could mean for convening. It's a really interesting, with members as well, and with volunteers.
0: I think that's a good segue for this next question. What do you see as the future of work when it comes to the association community?
2: So I should preface this with, um, I read as much as I can about other industries so that I can serve my customers and my teammates the best way I can. So I, I try and take in as much as I can, including industries who still want to manage by site, right? So there's, there's all the interesting things that are going on in our world. I think for us, and there's some research that's coming out on this, I apologize that I can't think of how to cite it yet, uh, but I know I just read it, which is, and I 100% believe this, I think the future of the association community is a skill set of facilitation. We do need SMEs and all the deep dives. I need a massive creative. I need a massive data nerd. I need all the things to make this company work. And all of us, I think, have a much deeper need to be facilitators. So to do the connections between communities, to do the connections between data and a person, data and a community, all that is a facilitation exercise. So I think what that means for the future of work is we are inherently going to be massively flexible with space and presence because what's about that facilitation of connection, it's not going to necessarily be about an address and the zip code and what that used to mean. And I, you know, we're not a lobbying organization, so I don't say that doesn't matter depending on where you are in a capital situation. But I do think that future of work is one of facilitation and to-do connection, and that connection is not space and zip code dependent, but it absolutely is outcome and skill dependent, and we need to get our teammates working on that skill set. A connection isn't simply Frank emailing Mike to introduce Colby. That's a great start, but you didn't facilitate the connection. You just Mm -hmm. enabled it. That next step is the future of work for associations, which means how we work is materially, I think, going to continue to evolve into this really interesting placement of pods of people, pods of expertise, and how we bring those together, I think, in that spider web network is going to be absolutely fascinating.
0: And do you think hybrid work is still the future of work? Or do you see more associations, and we'll stick with this community, implementing some type of of return to work policy in 2023?
2: Yes, we will see more of our colleagues doing that. And I'm hopeful that it's one of service and presence and not one of checkboxing and real estate justification.
0: And that's a great point. I think it's a great way to end this part of the interview. So we really appreciate you being part of today's discussion, but you're not done yet, Mike. (laughs) Uh, We'd like to put you in the hot seat one last time for the final segment we'd like to call the Briefings Minute. So we're gonna fire off a series of questions just to learn a little bit more about you and just give sure. us the first answer that comes to mind. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right, well, here we go. Let's get down to business. If you could have a lifetime supply of three different candies, which would it be? Oh,
2: Almond Joy, Snickers, and M&Ms, done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is your
1: New Year's resolution for 2023?
2: Read more, listen better, breathe
0: before I act. Excellent, we should all take that into account there so living in ann arbor michigan would you rather go swimming in january or wear an ohio state shirt on the university of michigan's campus during rivalry week
2: oh i'm, I'm gonna have to go for the polar bear swim just out of personal safety and yes absolutely uh, the <laughs> ohio state garb would not fly <laughs> great question
1: speaking of michigan what would your toppings of choice be on a detroit style pizza and i gotta ask you what's your take on pineapple being a pizza topping
2: Pineapple is largely approved in our family. Um, However, to get the Detroit pizza right, it's a matter of mushrooms, jalapenos, green peppers, and maybe a different olive, depending on what you're looking for. But yeah, no
1: meat. Well done. I have another two-part question for you. What's the best video game console of all time, and what game are you currently playing?
2: Oh, PS4. Uh, Debate is over. I don't need any feedback. ps (laughs) Four. And I'm actually working my way through like eight different games. So that's a that's actually a hard question. I do all the open world games. And so as you play, they start to all feel the same, right? But Red Dead, I think, is where I am right now. But I absolutely could be plugging in something different when I get home because I have been doing uh, a couple other sim games. So that, that's a hard, that actually is a hard question, Frank.
0: <laughs> well, let's move on then. Uh, rumor has it, Mike, that you're a big Metallica fan. <laughs> yeah if you had to name a band who does the best cover of a metallica song who would it be and for what song oh
2: wow man that is a stumper because i'm very particular about what would happen with that song Um, trivium does a good job anytime they cover any of the songs so i would say trivium has got it figured out because they, they hold to the truth but put their own spin on it
0: excellent so so what's your what's your favorite metallica song
2: yes all of them i mean i'm, I'm that big of a, of a wonk i would say and this is important frank and i talked about this before we hit record the new song they just put out Lux Eterna, is one of the best songs they've ever written and it would seem to be one of those crescendo moments in a career where it's all come back together and all those old heads who wanted the the sounds of the past it's there and all of the new fans who like the direction they've been in it's all there and i cannot wait to see how they do all this live in the upcoming year it's going to be amazing
1: Okay, you heard it here first. Then <laughs> that, is, that is the hottest take of the episode. Yeah, no doubt. All
2: uh, you know, that association stuff is fine and dandy.
1: <laughs> the aggregators will be out all of my over Metallica this.
2: coffee mug this morning. That's what I've really been thinking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, and finally, if you didn't work in the association world, what would your ideal dream job be?
2: Roadie, and I'm not even kidding. I, I cannot play an instrument to save my life. I've tried for years. But the passion that I have for the, that style of music and the bands in the community, uh, I would love to travel with a band and, and just be part of that movement, part of that energy and, and see what that would take me.
0: I love it. Excellent, well that's the buzzer. Thanks again for joining us, Mike.
2: Yeah, thank you. This was wonderful, I appreciate it.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Engaging in the Next. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact what's next in the association world. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Association Briefings and how we can help your association produce a podcast or a unique data-driven newsletter, be sure to visit us online at associationbriefings.com. See you next time.